Welcome back, readers and romance seekers, to Hopelessly Romantic Behind the Page. Uh, it's begun to snow in my little corner of the world. Um, I'm still really not up and up on how weather works here in the northern, northern regions, as it were, but I feel like we've been getting early snow this year. Um, I woke up one morning, opened the window, went, oh, oh, that happened. Um, except at one time it snowed Halloween night a couple years ago. That was, that, that was weird. But I have been living up all the vibes lately, typing up my scripts as I watch the snow fall, sitting at my little breakfast nook table with a bunch of plants on it, sipping tea, waiting for my homemade bread to rise. Vibes, I am telling you, vibes. But you know what didn't have chill vibes? American Prince. I'm so good at segues. Yeah, so uh, that was a mess and a half. Um, all previous content warnings will still maybe apply a little bit uh, for this part of the episode. Um, for one second, I thought I might be able to get away with just one episode for this review. I thought that because we had already laid out some groundwork from the last novel, I'd be able to do one episode here. But no, nope, I failed on all points. Um, I really have been evaluating how I've been doing these reviews, and American Prince really kind of drove home the fact that I really need to do a little bit of introspection on it. Um, but anyway, as far as American Prince goes, I think that I've said already most of what there is to say. For American Queen and uh, the other novels, I've already done long tirades about the difference between porn and erotica and romance. I, I do kind of think that American Prince blended it a little better, but at the same time, it took serious dives down into what the fucksville lane. So with American Queen, we already knew about Ash's half-sister, Morgan Lefay, and we already knew that they boinked before either one knew that they were siblings. So watching it happen again from Embry's perspective was great. It was, it was just delightful. And Morgan being Embry's stepsister did not help anything the step-sibling romance would have been easier to swallow than the straight-up incest even then it's still uh, it's still icky for me look i'm i'm not here to yuck another person's yum but familial sexual relations even between step-siblings or whatever that's mm -mm, that is x x x all the way hard no for me and i'm pretty sure that i am not alone here the only reason i'm allowing new camelot to slide with this one is because it it does draw directly from Arthurian canon. In some versions of the story, Morgan and Arthur are actually siblings. Um, and sometimes they even get together. So, yay. Um, and way back when these stories originated, incest did not have quite the same alarm bells as it does for us. Still not great, obviously, but it happened. You know, people married cousins and siblings and stuff. Um, I did try to do a little bit more research on Arthur lore. I actually rewatched the Overly Sarcastic Productions videos on Arthur and his knights. Uh, they're short videos compared to the mountains of lore that they address. Um, but it does give us some historical context for what is a very compelling story. And it talks about the myriad of different versions, or I guess I would probably really say evolutions, because all versions of Arthur's story kind of build on what was made before. Um, back when I made, uh, back when I read American Queen, 
I made the guess that Abilene was possibly a version of Mordred, only because of the way Greer had introduced Mordred as a uh, a catalyst for familial strife and how that can destroy relationships. Um, but then we get introduced to Lear in this novel, and that's when we learn that he is Morgan's child by Ash. So Abilene being Mordred went right out the window. So I finally, you know, it's like, okay, look, I'm going to look into Guinevere's history now because I got to figure out what's going on here. So what I found out, depending on the story, that she can have sisters. And in some cases, um, even an evil twin who wants what she has, even seducing Arthur with a, po- a potion or a poison and then sleeping with him. Um, I do know that there are versions of the story where Arthur has had two other wives named Guinevere. I do wonder if that was kind of like a holdover from that idea. Um, but yeah, I, I guess depending on who you ask, Guinevere can have an evil, an evil twin sister. And I'm, I suppose that's when, where, uh, Abilene comes from, where Abilene sort of like moves in. Uh, we, we, we saw in American prison, Embry was the one who was date raped. Um, uh, but he's a casualty in Abilene's quest to ruin Greer's life as punishment for falling in love with Ash. So that jealousy from that supposed twin sister with Guinevere, that's that's where Abilene comes from. That's right, Hermes. Hermes wants to say good morning to everybody. Um, And there actually was a king called Melwas who abducted Guinevere in one of the stories. I knew that Guinevere had been abducted at least once or twice in some of the stories. And that's where Lancelot would go to and they'd start that up. Um, but I was surprised that Melwas was an actual name. Um, he, at some point he's turned into a king named Malajan, Malagant, or I've heard Maligar. I, I know that's not, this is how that's pronounced. Um, but he was introduced by a French poet, also unpronounceable, Chrétien de Trois. Um, he was the author that gave us Lancelot. Um, back in the time, courtly love is like that really big thing in France with, um, you know, ennobling power of love, love never to be fulfilled and, um, uh, adoration of the lady, uh, basically is like, just because Guinevere is married to Arthur, she gets to have true love with Lancelot, but because she's not married to Lancelot, they're not able to fulfill that love, and Lancelot is made more noble because he is in love with her. It's, it's a mess, but that was that was the thing at the time when Chrétien de Troyes um, wrote in Lancelot. Later authors would make the adultery bad, kids. In the story, Greer is a professor of medieval literature, and I kind of want to take a medieval literature class now. I'm sure there's something on the internet. Uh, but I also do wonder if the author, um, Sierra Simone, has a similar background because she knows what she's doing. She's pulling from all over Arthurian canon and using it however she likes. But that's also the really nice thing about Arthurian mythology or any other mythology. You can pull from it, change it, mold it, and in this case, turn it into hardcore BDSM porn. I'm certain weirder things have happened. Um, but at any rate, let's go ahead and move on to what Heather is reading this week. And I'm only going to say that I've been reading what's up next for the podcast. You'll hear that at the end, as usual. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> it's very different in um, from American Friends, but still very interesting. Absolutely a case of, I didn't know what I was getting into. It's a trip. 
But I haven't been reading much of anything else, not because there hasn't been anything of note to read, nothing, not, not that nothing's caught my attention. Um, there are a few novels that I would like to have. Uh, but I simply don't have the time for extra reading right now. I am too busy writing. Have you ever heard of National Novel Writing Month? So NaNoWriMo, as it's called, got onto my radar about 10 years ago. Um, it was one of those things that I've always wanted to do, but I never sat down and did either because I wigged myself out, told myself I couldn't do it, made the excuse that I didn't have time, blah, 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 whatever. The goal of NaNoWriMo is to write a minimum 50,000 words between November 1st and November 30th. It's got novel in the name, but the rules are pretty loose here. It can be a short novel. Well, most novels are like 80,000 words. 50,000 words is pretty short, almost novella territory. Uh, But you can also do short stories, nonfiction, whatever you want to do, so long as you're hitting 50,000 words. On average, a writer needs to output about 1,600 words or so, a little bit more, to make it. At the time of writing this episode, I should have hit 25,000 words. I'm just barely there, and I gotta get my keister in gear if I want to make it on time correctly. I know that I'm crazy to try this with literally everything else going on in my life, but I have decided that I am done with excuses. I was done telling myself that I can't. I've never officially done NaNoWriMo before. Once upon a time in a different life, I challenged myself in a random month of the year, not November, because I was in a weird place at the time mentally, and I I just I just wanted to get back to my roots. I hadn't written anything in ages. I did it um, well under the thirty days because I was I guess some kind of beast at the moment. But I'm not really happy with what came out. I'd love to go back to those characters one day to that world that I made, but the novel was written during a time that I wasn't okay. Um, there were good things happening in my life at the time, sure, but that novel resulted, the novel that had resulted had become an outlet for some very painful scars that needed some healing. And looking back at it, sometimes now all I can see is the pain. I am in a much, much better place now, and I've been playing with an idea for, well, longer than I should have. I kept telling myself, oh, I'll write it one day, I'll figure it out sometime. And I keep coming back to planning, worrying that I've overstepped somewhere or not considered something correctly. But that wasn't getting me anywhere. And now, a year and a half of reviewing erotic romance novels later, I finally have gotten fed up with my excuses and decided to pull the trigger. I'm writing my very own erotic romance novel, Fear Be Damned. Um, there's a couple of terms that I've enjoyed learning uh, about for NaNoWriMo. There is the planner, and that's pretty self-explanatory. The planner is someone who, well, plans. They build their backstories, flesh out all the characters, outline the plot, the whole shebang. They're, they are there for everything. I tried to be a planner, and that's what got me in trouble. I overthought things and just cut myself off at the knees when I wanted to write. It's just like, oh no, what if I don't get it right? So on the other side of this coin are the pantsers. Pantsers are, like the name implies, writers who fly by the seat of their pants. They learn more about their characters and their world as they write. They they let the words fly where they may. Folks, 
I am the pantser. I am just winging it and I don't give a damn. It, I feel like it's maybe being like a sculptor a little bit. I don't know what the final shape is going to look like until I've made it, so I'm going to do it. Now, according to the rules of NaNoWriteMo, I could technically count these scripts that I'm writing for the podcast into my word count. Um, that would make it so easy. My 1600 word count is basically smashed when I add in whatever I'm doing for the podcast. Hell, the script that I'm writing now has already hit 15,000 words. And that's not including the stuff that I add, because these are only for points. I'll add stuff into it. But that's not really why I'm here. I am here to write a novel. And I'm going to do exactly that. So I'm I'm not going to cheat, as it were. I mean, I, I still would technically, quote, win. I think they said, like, the last five days of November, you can start putting your words into their word counter. Um, and that will let them count and officially declare you as a winner. Um, judging by the way it's going, though, I'm probably going to go beyond 50,000 words. But I don't necessarily have to be done by November 30th. I just have to hit the minimum um, 50K. And then people like to call December Nano Fixmo. That's when all the editing occurs. And I'm pretty sure that I'm going to have a lot of scum to skim off the top of my book. Kill your darlings, as they say. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just right now really focusing on getting the book out. I don't know what my editing process is going to look like. And I'm really, really not sure what I'm going to be doing after it's edited to a point where I'm comfortable attempting to get it published um that's that's gonna be the really interesting thing for me because i don't know what direction i'm gonna go i could in theory try to find myself an agent um because i from what i understand very 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 few publishing houses will accept cold submissions for manuscripts and <laughs> something that you get immediately on your desk uh on december 1st after NaNoWriMo <laughs> goes straight into the trash um and I don't know if I want to do the self-publishing. I have a certain amount of resources that would make that a little simpler. I don't know. I really don't know. So it'll be really interesting to see. And of course, I will have to let my ego go because it's very, it's very possible that I'm going to write it. I'm going to edit it. And then everyone's going to go, wow, this is trash. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to accept that in, in the, in the arrow and barbs of my heart. Uh, I'm, yeah, <laughs> there's really nothing that I can do about that. Uh, but really the person I am only really trying to make happy is myself at the moment. That's, that's who matters right now in this process while I'm writing is I'm working on making me happy. So it's the middle of November now, and I seriously do not recommend trying to pick up NaNoWriMo if you're interested at this point. 1600 words a day for normal NaNoWriMo doesn't sound like a lot. But take it from someone who's been around the block. It's difficult. You don't need the excuse of a giant event to get that novel out, though. Just start. Nearly everything good in my life happened because I stopped waiting. This podcast happened because I stopped waiting for it to be ready. I started riding horses because I stopped waiting to be the right kind of fit or a certain weight. I found a staple that worked for me. 
I have an amazing husband and technical advisor because I stopped waiting for my prince to find me. I went out looking and now I am writing a novel and with luck, it'll get published because I stopped waiting. Don't wait. Don't wait for one more second because if you keep waiting, you will never be ready. If you wait for the conditions to be perfect, you will never stop waiting. As my father has always told me, perfect is the enemy of good. So go start. That'll be it for me today, readers and romance seekers, and I will see you next week as we read Just One Touch by Maya Banks. Thank you for joining me, readers and romance seekers, and I hope to see you once again for Hopelessly Romantic. If you like the show, please visit us at hopelesslyromanticpodcast.com. If you have questions or want to recommend a read, please email us at contact at hopelesslyromanticpodcast.com. The show is written and produced by me, Heather Songster. Our technical advisor is Kwong Hyun Cho. Hopelessly Romantic is an H with K production. And it doesn't matter what you read, only that it's what you love.